Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. It's late in the evening after the Bay St. George powwow, and I'm with the ancestors in Briggs Cove in what's now known as Cornerbrook. We all have those places we go to to connect to something bigger, and this is one of mine. Though you wouldn't know it from passing along on Riverside Drive, this is an ancient burial ground, and many Mi'kmaq people from this area trace their ancestry to people whose mortal remains are somewhere in the ground beneath me. It's past midnight, no wind, and as I look across the water, I see the lights flickering from what's Irish town on the other side. I've met a lot of people these past two weeks at the powwow in Neobugig in Con River and in Flat Bay, spending time with each other in a ceremony or just chatting. That's part of what it is to be Mi'kmaq. Another part of being Mi'kmaq is knowing about our place on Mother Earth, the water, the mountains, the fields, the woods, where our ancestors live and to where we return to connect ourselves with them. I've been reflecting on our places these past couple of weeks as I've been traveling around Mi'kmaq territory in so-called Newfoundland. On the way to Con River, I met up with Don Pelly on the Exploits River. That's Mi'kmaq territory. But as you heard from Don on last week's episode, it's also Beothic territory. What I found so compelling talking to Don was his knowledge of that Beothic Mi'kmaq land. As he explained in our interview, he became interested in the Beothic experience after reading the classic book by James Howley called The Beothics or Red Indians. Don's land was also Beothic land. Here's Don talking about that territory. The Europeans came en masse. They were living there year-round. When that happened, there was a steady retreat by the Beothic. They moved at a, at a conception in Trinity Bay. They moved into Bonavista Bay, and then there was an expansion of the, the whites into Bonavista Bay. Then they moved up around Exploits Island and Twillingate and the mouth of the Exploits River in those areas. And then the people came and settled on Fogo and Twillingate, hence Old Man Peaton and his crew and the Cousinses and the, and the Calls and everybody else. And the Beatics, their last final retreat was the Exploits River. Mm. Uh, they were cut off from the resources uh, by the French on the north, by the Mi'kmaq on the south, and by the English on the east. Mm. Now, the last resort was the Exploits River, this river we're standing on right now. And what used to happen was they were shooting them on sight. I mean, it was a lawless time. If they stole anything, the thing about it is, I mean, even you hear today, Glenn, if somebody breaks into a cabin and steals a generator, the first thing will come out of the cabin owner, if I could find him, <laughs> I'd jump him down in the bog, he'd never be seen or heard talk of anymore. Yes. But back in those times, they did it. Yes. That was that was the order of the day. Yes. Now, the Beothics were back up at Red Indian Lake, that was their headquarters, and they were de dependent more on Caribou then than they were on the, on the saltwater resources because they were cut off from the saltwater. Mm. The only thing that they had left was Seal Bay and Badger Bay, basically, mm. in, in Notre Dame Bay. And what used to happen was and what we discovered, Laurie and I, uh, from the research that we've done, is that on the last of it, up, coming up towards the time of extinction, 
around the times that Mary March was taken or, or the Masbut was taken, uh, from 1800 on, I don't think they came down the main stem of the river anymore mm. because the whites had taken over down there from Wigwam Point up, up to Grand Falls. So what they used to do, they'd come down from Red Indian Lake and they'd cut off at Badger Brook and they'd go in and go up through Badger, the Tree Badger Lakes through Southern North Twin and access Seal Bay and Badger Bay that way. A detour. A detour. After I talked to Don, I traveled on to Con River for the powwow. It was a glorious, sunny weekend. On the way back west, I stopped into Millertown, location of a national historic site called Red Indian Point, honoring Beothic history. It's in Millertown from where the remains of two Beothic people, Damasdawood and Nanasabasit, were removed from their burial places and transported to the United Kingdom 200 years ago. Diplomatic processes now underway will have the remains returned to Newfoundland. Many, including Don Pelly, feel the right thing to do would be to return the remains from where they were taken, rather than to another museum, such as the rooms in St. John's. There was no one else at Red Indian Point when we were there. The sun was going down as we walked through the recreations of Beothic wigwams. I tried to conjure in my mind what this spot would have been like when the Beothic were here. Circumstances overtook the Beothic. More and more settlers pushed their way into this territory. Beothic died by disease and by the gun. And now these lands are under siege again as commerce propelled outsiders into these lands in the search for fur and timber in Beothic times, now is the quest for minerals that has these lands at risk. The delicacy of the moment is reflected in the road signs on the way to Red Indian Point. Coming out of the main section of Millertown, you turn right and leave the pavement for a gravel road. An arrow to the right points to the Marathon Gold Development at Valentine Lake, many kilometers away. We've reported extensively on that proposed series of open pit mines covering 200 square kilometers located on the migratory routes of the struggling caribou herds. But continuing straight for about 25 kilometers through hectare after hectare of clear cut and passing wood trucks, you get to another mining site this one at Duck Pond. This copper and zinc mine is closed now, but its toxic legacy remains in the form of a natural pond that was transformed into a tailings pool that was cheaper for the operator Tech Corporation than building a reservoir for the tailings. And now the natural pond is a toxic tailings pool. We're working on an episode on Duck Pond. We shot some video while we were there. Here's a preview from that episode. Glenn Wheeler back with you again and we're downstream now of where we were a few minutes ago. We were talking to you previously up there and you saw the black pipe uh, and that pipe that pipe flows all the way down here all the way down out into this natural pond here. This is a natural pond and the water from the toxic pond is making its way from that pond, the toxic pond, to this pond. 
and in theory what's supposed to be happening is that the the particulate the residue the uh, the the things that you can touch and feel silty type things are filtered out as the water comes down this uh, this stream uh, it's supposed to be cleaned enough to go back into this this natural pond of course the question is what about the other things that are not particulate that are uh, chemical in nature they might be metals uh, uh, it could be arsenic magnesium um, maybe some of the chemicals that are used in the refining process what about those how are they removed from uh, this water presumably that's what the water testing currently going on will show about will show how safe and clean this water actually is um, certainly it seems a fairly low-tech uh, kind of operation here we just have we we saw the the pool up there and we see water <clears throat> running over rocks and through <coughs> excuse me uh, some culverts um, but um, it seems fairly basic in its uh, in its operation we've been in contact with environment canada and been provided with the water testing results for dock pond now we have to figure out what that mean more on that in a future episode despite the eco blight left by the mine its operating days and the jobs and money that went with them are remembered very fondly in these parts at the charming lake view inn in millertown a tech medallion has pride of place in the cozy dining room. But Millertown is a Mi'kmaq town as well as a Beothi place. At powwow time, we celebrate being Mi'kmaq, but we also ask what responsibility comes with being Mi'kmaq? What is our duty to the land, which is at the core of Mi'kmaq identity? Of course, it's not to condemn all development. Perhaps our responsibility is to start a conversation Yes, our people need to work to live in this era, but what level of environmental risk and damage do we want to tolerate for jobs? In the case of Valentine Lake, is it okay to jeopardize the dwindling caribou herds to mine gold, most of which will be used to make expensive jewelry? Caribou or bling, what will it be? In a time of climate crisis, this is a talk that holds ever more urgency. And the conversation starter will be Mi'kmaq people, not our chiefs and councils, who too often prioritize jobs over land and water. The Meobugeg powwow this year, and for many years previous, was sponsored by, among others, ExxonMobil. And the oil industry is now also reaching out to Halibut in regard to a corporate partnership in the multiple oil wells plan for the Newfoundland offshore. So Mi'kmaq friends, the future rests on us, you and me. Before we go, I want to pass on a notice of the next meeting of the Port of Port Bay Fishery Committee this coming Thursday, July 18th, starting at 7 p.m. in the Town Hall in Port of Port East. Special guest Bill Bryden of the Newfoundland and Labrador Coalition for Aquaculture Reform We'll talk about the impacts of aquaculture, including those from an expanded fish hatchery in Stephenville.
And also on Thursday, there is a meeting of Halibut Chief and Council in the community room at 1 Church Street in Cornerbrook, starting at 10 a.m. To register, Halibut members can contact Tina Diamond at 634-5111 or email council at halibut.ca with your full name and band registration number. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.